This week on the Anxiety Slayer podcast, we're discussing a listener question about how you can address choices that lead to self-sabotage and learn to look after yourself with more love and compassion. Welcome back to Anxiety Slayer. I'm Shan Vanderleek here with my wonderful friend and co-host Ananga Sivir. Hey, Ananga. Hey, Shan. It's good to be with you again for another episode. Here's the question that we received this week. Does anyone else often feel like their own worst enemy? I've been in a bad loop lately and know the things I need to do in order to break that loop, yet I won't allow myself to do them. Do you have any tips? They would be greatly appreciated. And man, can I relate with this, as I'm sure you can, Ananga, and so many of our listeners, when we just know what to do, but don't always have the energy or that next bit of oomph to get it done. Mm, Yeah. I like it that you mentioned the energy and oomph. I think that really often is part of the challenge. I know for myself where I feel stuck and I feel like I'm not serving myself as well as I might. Often it comes when I've been unwell or low in energy, low in enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that can often be part of the picture, but I think it's something we can all relate to. And certainly our mind can be our best friend or our worst enemy. That comes from the teachings of the Bhagavad Gita, and it's really something to think about. And as we've often discussed on the podcast, its tendency is to be our worst enemy, left unchecked. So yeah, we need energy, support, and enthusiasm to reset our sails and, and come away from that kind of, it's a very sticky state, isn't it? We can feel really stuck in those states. A good place to begin is to identify yourself sabotaging behaviors. We all have them. <laughs> and it's just a, a matter of becoming aware of the specific ways in which you self-sabotage. It could be procrastination, putting things off, uh, negative self-talk. It could be fear of failure or any other pattern that might be holding you back. This is a good time for reflection to really get clear on where is it coming from. This is when understanding the root causes can help you be more compassionate and help you make the choices that are going to honor the part of your mind that can be kind. Mm. We have some resources, a couple of books marked to share later in the episode, which help develop the insight we need. Um, Often it's so easy, isn't it? We see what's on the surface and we think, well, why have I done this again that doesn't help me? Or why haven't I done this that would help me? And we can start really kicking ourselves around. We can feel shame. We can feel loss of self-respect. We can feel all kinds of things. But usually there's an unconscious driver to our behaviors. We shared the other week about that iceberg analogy where there's the bit sticking up that you see and then there's the two-thirds of the iceberg below the waterline and that's how our subconscious mind is described. So in our subconscious mind are so many patterns running, programs, impressions, things that we've gathered, um, protections that might not be working that well on the surface but their intention is to protect us. Their intention is good. So Ayurveda and many other healing systems 
recommend that we get that clarity, as you said, start becoming aware of the ways in which we're not serving ourselves well and have a look. There might be some childhood patterns, trauma. There usually is. There's usually something there. And when we shine light on that and we start to understand that, then we can enter into some negotiation with ourselves where we can say, okay, I appreciate this is a protection, but it's not serving me well. Can we do this differently? And there's so much beauty when you do identify it and you can start to release the armor that you've protected yourself with sometimes for a lifetime when you realize, oh my goodness, I can let this go now. Yeah. Because I, I see it and I, I see how it's triggering and bringing up these other patterns. And it takes work, of course, but it's a, a beautiful opening when you can start to release that need to cling on to these old stories and unsettling experiences. Yeah, and the self-understanding that comes from it really does bring some light to our mind. We can regain some energy and we can regain a sense of purpose. You know, we talk a lot about cleansing in terms of spring cleanses and what should we drink and what should we eat, but we really need mental cleanses. Periodically throughout our life, there are things that come to our attention and if we can get the support and do the work to work with them and clear them out and change how we're operating in response to them, it gives us a completely different experience of life and it gives us more compassion, self-compassion and self-understanding. So it's really valuable work. And you are worth it. You're worth taking the time to kind of untangle it, that feeling of, of being your own worst enemy. And also to remember that we all have bad days. We all have times in our life where things seem to be really sliding in a direction we don't want them to be. And so with this identification and with this space of being sweet with yourself and knowing that I want to get to this root cause and I want to do whatever I can to support myself so that I can move forward. And that's where things like Bach flower remedies come in to play. Ananga, would you like to share a few of those with us? Sure. We often share bark flower remedies that are really helpful for stress and anxiety relief. These ones work in a slightly different way. They offer a slightly different type of support. These are all individual remedies that you can find via Nelson's or in most good health stores. In the UK, they usually have the individual remedies. So I hope they do where you are too. So these are different to the rescue remedy, which is a combination of five different flower essences. But um, if you just type into Google bark flower remedies, you should be able to find them. The first one is chestnut bud, which is the remedy for the feeling that you keep repeating the same mistakes. So the brief on that remedy is that it helps us learn from our mistakes. It helps us gain wisdom. It helps us explore. Why did I do that again? And it helps us gain understanding. So it gives insight helps us gain knowledge and wisdom from our experiences, and it helps us learn from our past. And the next one is gentian, which is the support when we feel discouraged or we feel low when we've had a setback or something goes wrong. Gentian gives encouragement. It helps us cope with setbacks. It puts mistakes into perspective, into context, and it helps support us in knowing that we're doing 
our best. As we mentioned earlier, we can be really hard on ourselves when we feel that we're not acting in our own best interest. So this is the support for um, discouragement and keeping things in perspective. Sometimes we can blow things up bigger than they really are. And the other one is hornbeam, which helps with feelings of inertia and procrastination. So if you really feel it's as simple as you haven't got the energy or the enthusiasm, or you're, you're avoiding doing something, then hornbeam's really helpful. The old book I have from Bark Flowers from many years ago, it says it's the Monday morning remedy <laughs> when you don't want to face the week ahead. Mm. Really helpful to explore bark flower remedies just for that extra support. If you're feeling like you're in that space of being your own worst enemy, this is also an invitation to seek support with some accountability. This is when you might want to reach out to a trusted friend or work with a, a certified coach or counselor who can help you identify what it is that you want to do in your life and how you want to move forward and then help you stay on track so that you can make healthy choices for your mind and body. It's really such a gift to have somebody that you trust in your corner. This is also a good time to look for role models, to find somebody who's overcome the challenges you're facing that you can learn from, either in person or through courses or workbooks or podcasts, wherever you can draw some inspiration and encouragement. So you have that combination of accountability and support along with inspiration and encouragement. That's a powerful combination, isn't it? When you're getting the help and the support and you're going to be getting some insights, but also you've got that lift of inspiration that encourages us to make the changes that are going to help us. When I want to work on something like this, I'll get a notebook that's specifically for that, for gathering information, and I'll stick some quote on the front that really inspires me. And then anytime I read or hear something that really fits with what I'm trying to change or what I'm trying to learn or work on, it goes in the notebook. We can feel very alone when we're trying to make change or when we're not feeling satisfied with ourselves or how we're conducting our life. And um, gathering inspiration is a, a good way to see many other people are kind enough to share their personal stories. And uh, you see that you're not alone and you can also benefit from the stories and insights of others. And you can start logging your wins and start noting the choices that you are making that are in support of yourself, the smallest choices, just noticing that you had an extra glass of water today or that you made time to tidy up or what, whatever it might be that you notice and give yourself credit for whatever it is that, that you were able to uh, make a commitment to and, and do. Yeah, I think a really helpful question with that is when you turn in at night to just ask yourself, what am I glad I did today? It's very easy to, to go to turn off the light and think, oh, I didn't do this and I should have done that, ending the day in a negative state. But just to simply ask, what am I glad I did today, no matter how small? Writing it down is even better. 
but yeah, just to end the day on that note, and then we can always build on it. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. When we're facing tough choices and the path forward isn't always clear, whether you're starting a new job or moving to a new city or moving on from a long-term relationship, therapy can help you stay connected to what you really want while you navigate your life. So you can move forward with confidence and excitement. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slayer today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash Slayer. Before the break, we were talking about the importance of seeking support with accountability and inspiration from role models. And now we're going to dig into thresholds. And Ananga, this is something that you were sharing, and I'd love for you to dive deeper into what thresholds are and how they can support us. Really, the subject matter that we're discussing this week reminds me of my days of teaching tapping workshops, EFT tapping workshops. And we used to work a lot with a phenomena that at the time was called a psychological reversal, where you're sort of going against yourself. You know this doesn't serve you well, but you do it anyway. And it reminds me of a quote from Alcoholics Anonymous, where they state that most people struggling with alcoholism have to really crash before they seek help. So the question that often would come up in workshops would be, how bad does it have to get before I can change, before I seek help? You know, how many times am I going to keep doing this? So that's where the the threshold piece comes in. Mm. And everybody's different. Everybody has a different threshold. Yeah, we have different thresholds. We have different aspirations, different degrees of self-accountability that feel right to us. I think these days, the thing that you keep seeing on social media is when am I going to get sick enough of my own rubbish Mm -hmm. that I do something about it? It's easier to change than just keep feeling like you're getting sick of yourself. And again, that's where journaling really helps because we see these repeated patterns and it becomes more clearly um, revealed to us. So sometimes it doesn't have to get that bad because we see it coming up again and again. And then we start to think, okay, really need to do something about this. Yeah, I can, I can uh, catalog a few times when I've been tired of my own shit. (laughs) Yeah, we all can. Oh my goodness. And, And I think it's good to also know and remember that it's human nature to sometimes go against our own self-interests. It's just one of the challenges that comes with the human condition. And so getting help might not feel like an easy choice due to our conditioning or culture, but it really is a good investment if you're being super hard on yourself or if you're making choices that are not in your best interest or that are uh, not in the best interest of the people that you love. Yeah. There's a very interesting thing with this exploration of thresholds, and that is when we get sick of our own behavior, 
there's a huge advantage there that we can see it. Mm-hmm. The behaviors we can't see that might be harming others or harming ourselves are the real troublesome behaviors. But when we get in that frustrative place of saying, I'm sick of this, this doesn't serve me well, this needs to change, we're at a really good place to make that change. So it's a positive place to be. And if it means that we feel we've hit rock bottom and we need help, as a friend said to me a few years ago when I'd been through a really traumatic time, she said, well, when you hit the floor, you can only look up. Mm -hmm. There's nowhere further to, to fall. So you look up and you get up. And sometimes we feel, I can't get up one more time. I'm too sick of this. I'm too tired. So we seek help. We seek support and we seek inspiration from others that have done it. Mm-hmm. And it's not easy, but it's easier to take it on and get the help and try and help ourselves move forward. So when we hit these thresholds of realizing that, you know, how bad does this need to get before I seek help? There's a very positive benefit in there that we can see it. We can see we need help or we can see we need to make a change. And that's the first step. We've already taken the first step. And that leads beautifully into getting to know yourself better, into more self-exploration, into understanding that you can change and that you can have a better experience, a better life experience. And there are a couple of keys to changing when things aren't working for us. This is when we can examine our thoughts and choices and question their validity and practice replacing them with something more positive, something more empowering. So this is visualizing yourself succeeding and focusing on the strengths as you get to know yourself better. It's an exercise I did. I remember doing years ago when I first started coaching is working with people to have them share, say out loud or write and then speak out loud what their strengths are. And it was shocking to me how many people had a hard time coming up with more than one or two things, sometimes even coming up with one thing. Yeah, but we've got lists of the others, right? Right. We have lists of all of the things that that we feel we, we don't hit the mark with. Uh, yeah. And so I invite you right now to think about your strengths because I know you have many of them. And one of the ways that you can get to this, answering this question where it's not quite as uncomfortable as it might be for some of you is to think about what your best friend would say about you or what your partner would say about you, uh, what somebody who loves you would say about your strengths. And to remember that those are very, very real parts of, of who you are. Yeah. And to practice listening when people do offer those positive reflections. Very often we, we hear our own mind negating our good qualities. But, you know, sometimes a friend or a loved one or a, a coworker might express an appreciation of us and it can just slide right off. But those appreciations are an opportunity to deepen connection with that kind soul that's reflected that to you. But it's also a form of emotional nutrition. Something's being offered to us that's very nourishing, a genuine loving exchange. So if we can take it in and say, thank you, 
Mm-hmm. You know, there's occasions where somebody might say something and you think, oh my God, that just stopped. Like there's a windshield six inches in front of my face. It's just stopped and slid off. Right. You know, it hasn't, it hasn't reached me. Then that needs addressing. Oh, and that's such a big part, again, of the human condition. I have witnessed, and, I, and I'll just, I'll use women as an example, because that's really who I've witnessed receiving a compliment and then responding to the compliment with, well, uh, actually it could have been X, Y, and Z or, oh, this old thing. If you're getting a compliment about, (laughs) you know, how maybe you look nice or I love your new hair. Oh, actually it's, it's quite a mess or whatever it is to kind of turn around that kindness and make it something that's negative. So if you do that, just be mindful of that and and work on that second key is to replace the self-criticism that you put on yourself with encouragement, with positive affirmations, with the ability to say, thank you. That's very kind of you. Yeah, that's something I've had to practice. That's why I use that example something hitting the windshield and sliding off. I've experienced that. And I had to learn to say thank you. At best, I'd think the other person was a very kind person. And they are. Right. But they're also reflecting something that they see in me and taking the trouble to do that. So when we don't respond in a healthy way, naturally, then it doesn't always feel good to the person that's delivering that kindness either. So, yeah. You said the perfect recipe. Thank you. We need to practice saying thank you. Yeah. And we each deserve to take that in, to get to know ourselves better, and to honor the one in us that does have all of these gifts and and all of these sweet parts of us that we often tamp down when you do have a friend that you're accountable with and you start with your nonsense. (laughs) (laughs) And I can say that because I'm thinking right now, the number of times that I've been sharing nonsense with you, Ananga, and you'll stop and you'll say, actually, I don't see it that way. You know, this is what I'm getting out of what you're sharing. And it reframes it. And then I think, oh, yeah, you know, why did I need to put myself in a position where I was wrong or where I was whiny or where I was doing X, Y, or Z. And thankfully, because of the, per- the person you are, the work you've done and, and how kind you are, I can't even tell you how many times you've reframed things for me. And you for me. Many times I can think of a couple of huge reframes I've been gifted from you. And that's the value of a good friend that you trust and being open to uh, feedback from others. Before we close today, I know that you have some recommended reads that you wanted us to share and that will also be in our show notes for this week. Yeah, there's a nice workbook that's uh, recently released called How to Meet Yourself, the workbook for self-discovery by Nicole LaPera. She's very active on Instagram. If you haven't, haven't heard of her, she acts out some really good scenarios with her partner, um, really good teacher for 
how to notice our patterns and work with them. I haven't got this workbook on my shelf, but I did sit with it in a bookstore last week and have a flick through. It's very beautiful, very colorful with lots of informative exercises, but it's a workbook that's geared at waking us up to our learned bad habits and destructive patterns, noticing where we fall into patterns of behavior. Her work teaches that it's usually rooted in our past and that drives unhealthy choices and decisions in our present. So the workbook is geared to shining light on our unconscious patterns and giving us the chance to understand ourselves better and then choose what we don't want to carry forward into our future. So I think that's a really interesting workbook to have a look at and do some of the processes. And ties in beautifully what we've been discussing this week for sure. Yeah, it's relevant. I've also been listening to uh, The Myth of Normal by Gaber Mate. It's interesting. I, I will tell you that I didn't get through, I didn't finish all of it. It was something I was listening to on my last uh, trip south. And he really digs into why chronic disease and mental illness are on the rise and explores that what if the key to all of this actually lies in our culture and lies within stress and adversity and trauma and how all of those can um, be very toxic and, and breed disease and gets back to the, the pathway to health and, and how that lies in identifying and addressing whatever these underlying conditions might be. An interesting book thus far and something that you might want to look into. Thanks for listening to Anxiety Slayer. If you love our podcast, consider becoming a patron and you'll get over 150 guided relaxations, tapping sessions, and Ayurvedic teachings for anxiety relief at patreon.com slash anxiety slayer.